I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 317 of Video Games Hot Dog. For we did not send this podcast into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through it. <laughs> this this has become a terrifying trope. <laughs> <laughs> what, referring to each podcast as though it were specifically Jesus? Yeah, well, yeah. well, I don't know. I mean, I like I've never read this part of the Bible before, so I don't know what's coming next. You didn't have to read the whole Bible as a kid. I didn't go to Jesuit school. Well, but you didn't like grow up in a place where they just expect somebody you to read the whole lock Bible? me in a shed and <laughs> force me to read the, force me to memorize the entire bible before they would let me eat my porridge i did not memorize it by any means but we were we were expected <laughs> did to you actually it. have to read the whole bible yeah. oh yeah it was jim like, have you it, read the whole bible no and my grandmother was super catholic so like huh. i guess yours even more so did what were you at an age where you would understand any it was of high it? school i know i was it was i had a he went to he went, went to, to catholic, catholic high school, school. oh shit. So we, had, okay. we had a we had every semester we had a theology Oh, okay. that's that's no longer surprising. We also read like large sections of like the Bhagavad Gita and we read like it was it was the Jesuits are pretty liberal. So like, here, read all these texts. Yeah. You know, so it's cool. Pretty liberal and pretty good looking. That's true. Uh, I don't know the actual story about that. I just sort of have this vague idea that the Jesuits were they selected the most uh, handsome priests to send to proselytize in the missionary position to impressionable young women of the outlying uh, heathen tribes. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Oh yeah, I thought you told me this. Uh, well, I mean, there's the, there's the like the joke about the, the the kid who turns eighteen and is like leaving the home, and his father the night before leaves three things on the table. He leaves like a Bible, a pile of money, and like a bottle of booze, uh, to see whether he's going to become like you know a, a priest. A businessman or just a drunkard mm-hmm. and he wakes the father wakes up in the morning and goes downstairs and the son has taken all three and he's like oh no he's gonna become a jesuit okay <laughs> so jesuits well i guess all catholics are allowed to drink never right. mind yeah i'm thinking of fucking not not drinking <laughs> right. that's what so are jesuits allowed to have sex never no. not to confuse those too often not the priests well i mean you know they're kind of they're kind of part and parcel <laughs> Uh, l- at least the way I do it, am I right? I don't think. Yeah, I don't think a priest I mean, is considered. The, at least the way I do Jesuit. it. Sorry. <laughs> I think it's only pri- only priests can be Jesuits, and Jesuits and priests are not allowed. To sense. Okay. Are there? Wasn't wasn't Pope Joe thinking of getting rid of that? Wow, I don't know. What if Joe Arpaio runs for Pope? Oh my God! What? <laughs> he's been forgiven. He's been forgiven of all of his sins. Oh my God! So he's like, I think he's qualified to be Pope now. Like the <laughs> he's just a clean slate. I think, I think Trump has to be Pope before that makes any sense. <laughs> well, well, that's surely that's Holy surely shit. in the pipe. If Trump sat in the like infallibility chair, what the fuck would even happen? <laughs> Guys, let's let's try to keep politics out of podcasting. For yeah, let's real. try to keep the politics out of the religion, out of the podcast. <laughs> Holy shit! You, you know about the you know about the infallibility chair, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's that's a thing. But, uh, do you but think they, they just, do you think they use it anymore? Just explain yeah, the, the this for is, pope, for listeners, because surely we have some that don't. There is a chair where when the Pope sits in it and says something, that thing is infallible. That thing is just pure like fact from then on for Catholics. Do you think anybody ever like? Like, do you think, like, Aziz Ansari sits in it and then as a joke just points to somebody and says, you're about to touch my dick. (laughs) Wow. Sorry, it's infallible. Hey, guys, let's talk about Aziz Ansari. Yeah, good. Do you think the Pope ever sits in it and points at a guy and says, you're an asshole? (laughs) 
Ah, boy. Uh, guys, that would you, be quite the you, Kevin, you've, you have been at the MIT Mystery Hut. There's I have. Creepily, two of you because of this eerily, oh, that's true. eerily shiny <laughs> monitor that normally has the face of Nick Brecken on it that's creeping us out here. Yeah, why is it? It has like a, it has like a, a, a shiny thing attached to it that's maybe like a, an, like, like a, a an anti glare, anti like yeah, a I'm guessing screen? that's so that his face shows up on camera while. Ah, okay. Oh, that makes okay. sense. So I think so that other people can't tell that you're looking at porn at the co-working space. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So I went to Boston um, and was there for a little over a week, actually. The uh, 20, 2018 M&T Mystery Hunt was this past weekend. And for the week before that, I was uh, basically in the puzzle mines, uh, just constructing physical puzzles that we, uh, that we were handing, going to hand out to teams. Man, you're making a lot of dice. So what, what was you going to say? I was just going to say, I saw that deck of cards one because the, who, the guy who made those put them up on uh, Etsy and it looks fucking sweet. So that is actually one of my oldest friends, Colin. Uh, he is also a game developer. He made. Uh, he was one of the developers of, of Lifeline. Yeah, say, that's say his that, last that name so that people can look him up on Etsy. Colin Colin Leota. Uh, so he was. It's like Ray Leota. Yes, exactly. But Colin. Uh, so he he's done a bunch of stuff. So he made a bunch of iOS games. That uh, his company was acquired by Big Fish, and then they made Lifeline as like sort of a subsidiary studio called Three Minute Games. Um, and I think, yeah. And so he, he designed a bunch of puzzles for the hunt and also, uh, and one of them was this amazingly beautiful, like deck of cards where he laser cut a different sort of design out of each card in the deck. And so that gave you a way to order them, which then led to a bunch of additional steps. Uh, but it was beautiful. Um, he, he has, he has a laser cutter at home and has made a, has been like four years making uh paper based laser cut artwork yeah um, he has a bunch of wooden of stuff on his on his etsy store it's real beautiful yeah yeah so hopefully people will uh just shower him with i'll affection. put a link to colin leota's etsy store yeah. in the yeah. show notes colin's a good dude he's yeah. made a bunch of games probably the only one that you've heard of is lifeline though yeah like he's made a bunch of games that made a bunch of money but they're all like a lot of them were just like weird poker Casino poker apps, games yeah. and stuff like stuff Word that like was just like silently like just raking it in yep. in the early to mid period iOS market. Yeah. Uh, and then also a bunch of like Fleck was also a thing that, that was part of his oh, studio. Oh yeah. Did we, a bunch of people was that played after and, video games hot dogs started? Did we talk about that? I don't know if we did. I mean, we definitely mentioned it a couple times, but only in passing. I think that we, was kind of, it was kind of a cool idea. It was sort of like Farmville, but you played it on the actual real world Google maps. Yeah. I mean, it was kind like, of like a, like an early Pokemon go where you didn't actually, you didn't have to go, go to the, the place. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, wait, wasn't he also one of the founders of instructables? Well, sort of. Okay. So the way, so after college, uh, he and a bunch of other folks, some of which were from my fraternity, um, started a, a group called Squid Labs where they just sort of, it was sort of like a think tank where they would just come up with cool ideas. Uh, and after they had like five really solid ones, uh, they split the, they like broke the company up. Um, but one of the companies that came out of that was Instructables, um, which, um, my friend, his, his tech nickname is U-Boat, uh, but it was Eric, Eric and his wife, Christy, uh, run Instructables, basically. Um, and the thing that Colin took from that was a, a company called Potemco, which is like uh, human-powered like crank stuff. 
which was gonna, which was like a, 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 I don't know if you remember the one laptop per child thing. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, it was like a, it was like a Nicholas Necroponte MIT Media Lab thing. Um, it was a, f- a front runner for powering that, but they ended up going with just the regular crank. Um, and it's weird because the the like price point on those laptops was meant to be like a hundred bucks, and I think they upped it to two hundred dollars. And now you can basically buy just a laptop for like a hundred bucks, like a regular laptop. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, I, I remember the, that being really excited by the OLPC at the time. Just yeah. like it looked like really you know tiny and portable and very like like it what the netbook market kind of or god they weren't even called netbooks at the time or were they and I'm, I'm trying to think of like what you called a really small pc uh but that that market just kind of got eat, eaten up by phones yeah when phones started becoming pcs yeah nobody i think nobody had any idea that that was coming yeah so it sort of makes sense um no child left behind without ready access to porn so anyway potemco potemco failed uh as uh, i think a company because it just didn't have it didn't have enough uh, places to go but it was a really cool idea it was like anywhere you go you can power devices with just human power um just to, so, sort of like a i think it was like a like a rip cord kind of thing where you sort of like spin up a flywheel um, <clears throat> i remember seeing something like that that i thought was associated with one laptop per child which was like a weight that you would attach oh, to it. You would hang a thing from the ceiling that's, and, tie, and tie a weight to yeah. it. And it just, uh, it would slowly like kind of like a grandfather oh, clock yeah, spring. Like, yeah. That, um, that is, as, as I understand it, that was for like lighting up interior spaces where mm-hmm. it would like provide four, eight hours of light to like, an just like lifting, lifting a single weight up and putting it on this hook would then light your room for yeah. a few hours. Yeah. Um, which is super clever and cool. If you used a heavier weight, would the light be brighter? I think it depends on the, like the actual mechanism, right? Because it's like it's using the it's using the potential energy of the stone or whatever that you've lifted to right to drive the thing. But I think that it's based on the mechanism inside. Yeah, how, how slowly like they can larger gear or smaller gear right. or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that was one puzzle from the mystery hunt. There were like 150 of them. Uh. And there were a variety of different physical puzzles. Uh, and so by that, you mean nothing we've talked about in the past five minutes. Exactly. Uh, um, the, the deck of cards is the, was the right. puzzle, uh, which was really cool. Um, there was also like a complicated like chemistry puzzle, which involved the, the trick was like, how are we going to hand out? Because there were 110 teams in the mystery hunt. Um, and, we were, and at least 80 of them were local. And we were like, how are we going to hand out like 80 like chemistry sets where you like the, you know, oh, the, you know, the ball, I, when the you ball said a rod. chemistry puzzle, I thought you meant like, you know, on yeah, like paper, balancing equations no, or something. no, it's, it's, it was like physical models of, of, of molecules, right. Where, you know, you remember those like balls and sticks yeah. that used okay. to be like, to make oh, models. I used to so love like, those. Right. They're great. Uh, but how do you like hand that out to 80 teams without yeah. bankrupting your, right. okay. and, and, <laughs> and again, I was confused because I, it wasn't I thought you were talking about like, uh, really, ah, it was. <laughs> because then I thought you were talking about like, here's like three packets of powders. Oh, sure. No, th- oh, that, yeah. that, those I thought, I thought it was good when you said well. chemistry set too. I thought like the kind of chemistry sets they sold like when we were kids, but not when we were right. not like after when, when Ralph we Nader, like, right after now Ralph <laughs> yeah. Nader got a hold of them. Right. Um, um, yeah. So they were just, they were like famous equations that you had to know and the, the like particular reactants that would make those equations happen. It was, I, I didn't actually solve it, so I don't, I don't know how it works. 
Sounds cool anyway. Yeah, I only saw like maybe 10 or 15% of the puzzles in this, this year's Mystery Hunt because I was so localized into like the particular puzzles that I was editing and the puzzles that I was building props for and stuff. There was the, the sort of duck conundrum analog this year where I, th- that's what I spent a lot of my time in the past week was just oh, making nice. dice, dice sets. So each team got a bag of 36 dice, each of which contained, uh, D1 through D36. No, was, they're all D6s. Uh, uh-huh. but they, one side was a number, one side was a side was a duck and the other four sides were letters. <laughs> um, and it was a duck course, conundrum for, for listeners who don't already oh, sorry, know this, yeah. uh, is a, it's a sort of a, an archetype of mystery hunt puzzle where by Dan Katz. Ty- typically, yeah, they're all made by Dan Katz. Yeah. And it's typically like a board game that you're playing and it describes the rules of yeah. a board game in extremely exacting detail that you have to read very, very carefully in order to not screw it up. And yeah. then the puzzle is sort of about you just following instructions very carefully. Yeah. But, but there will be like, Kind of like a word find. It's kind of equivalent to a word find in that rather than a puzzle to solve, it's just a sort of a (laughs) boring task you have to perform. There will be late, late level instructions that invalidate earlier instructions. So if you haven't read the whole set of instructions, you will have screwed up. Yeah, it's like that urban legend about how they they give the test to the military people and they're like, read this whole test before you answer any of the questions. And the last question is like, turn this in without answering any questions. And then that's how you get on the men in black. Uh, one so a couple of my favorite puzzles from the mystery hunt uh were uh, one of them there was a round of the mystery hunt this year that was pokemon themed and Yay! all of the puzzles in that round evolved so you would solve <laughs> a puzzle and then you would see the evolved version of that puzzle which was sort of usually meant to be like a harder more exacting version there was there was a sca- scavenger hunt which, scavenger hunt which was part of that round so you would solve a scavenger hunt and then you would, it, it would be evolved. And then it was a bunch of like way more exacting things that you had to find. Huh. Um, but one of the puzzles in that round was called uh, Twitch plays mystery hunt. <laughs> and it was a sort of stealth game where you were a, a ninja trying to traverse this uh, area filled with guards and lava pits and, you know, sort of like arrow shooting devices and stuff like that. Uh, and you were rate limited. If, if you loaded up the page, you were rate limited in terms of submitting an instruction to one every four seconds. And then the game was updating at a regular pace. And you would often have to submit, you know, four instructions to be safe between updates. Um, and it was a matter of like sort of the, the players figuring out exactly how to navigate the space and be coordinated and, and clever and smart about that. Uh, <clears throat> and so. This is kind of a puzzle script kind of a thing. It, it looked, I mean, it could have been a puzzle script game. It was, it was, it was not like visually, it was not complicated, but the, it was, uh, see, technically w- interesting. What yeah. I thought you were about to describe from the first couple of things you said about this is that somebody on the team would have to dress up as a ninja and actually go to a location on campus and try to get from where one, there was lava from, and well try and get traps. from try and get from one place to another while on camera and if any of the people and watching on the Twitch stream thousands of people could shouting spot at him them. yeah <laughs> okay so so that was the original version of the, the so the oh, thing really? that I described was was Twitch Place Play the Mystery Hunt was the original version of the puzzle and the evolved version was called Under Control where you sent a person to a room and they were in front they were on a green screen <laughs> <laughs> and they were inserted into a video game um 
A lot of the actually a lot of the art uh, for the mystery hunt was done by uh, Ryan Veter. Um, oh, nice. Which, which yeah, he he uh, did it, like all the the art for the Pokemon round. He did the art for this for this under control puzzle, I think, and also maybe the Twitch Plays Mystery Hunt puzzle. Um, and you, so the person who was sent to the the green screen room uh, was just standing there, and they didn't they had no instructions and. Uh, their teammates saw them, but saw them inserted into this sort of video game, and the teammates would relay messages to them through chat, uh, and the chat would be read out by a like a voice uh, text to speech synthesizer. Oh, uh, and so they would, and I think it was a similar sort of rate limiting thing. So that, like they had to still had to kind of work together because there was a bunch of timed e- events, but it was them trying to defeat a bunch of uh, ninjas through sort of a, like a posing game. Do you know like the? I remember that that cat posing fight game that was at maybe the Wild like a Rumpus Super Hypercube kind of a thing. No, well, no, it was like because you're trying to get the person into a particular configuration. And that pose beats another pose, like beats the pose that the other okay. person has. Um, there's a there there are games that are like this that I cannot remember the name of. One was like there's, do you remember there's the controller like, where you're controlling the cat? The with, like there was a cat shaped controller with like a little no. joystick on it. Does this not remind wow, you of not anything? A, from I'm thinking of, of the game with the muscle men. Yeah, yes, that's the muscle that's the muscle I'm march. Thinking. Yeah, muscle march is what I was thinking of, which is a lot like Super Hypercube, except the like Toms of Finland right. <laughs> take yeah. on Super Hypercube. Right. Uh, what were you thinking? This of? Like, these are like buff cats <laughs> posing. Oh, man, oh, the Tom of, of Finland. Well, I'll, I will oh, look the this Tom up. Cat of Finland. Oh, good. Yes, yeah, there we that's go. Good. I will nice. look this. I'll I'll have to look this up and we'll put it in the show notes because I, I I swear this is a real thing. Uh, it was sort of it was sort of reminiscent of that to me at least. Do you think Tom of Finland and Tom of Maine were buddies? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're, they're probably they're not, both Vikings. They're not right? super far apart. Yeah, they um, meet up in Greenland. So we we had screens in headquarters which were just showing live feeds of both oh, of these wow. puzzles so we could watch were the twitch people. streams public could, could no. people like instruction bomb okay <laughs> uh they were not they were not public uh which is it was just for the best <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Wait, can you have like a password protected twitch stream i don't I think, think that you can i think this was a these these were like approximating twitch one was sure, actually a twitch okay. thing and one was like a private youtube channel thing with gotcha. where the comments were the were being read out i think we were jake has been working on a cool thing and we were looking into whether you could do password protected twitch streams and it seems like you cannot uh that seems like something we should just talk to twitch about and fix just say hey justin yeah. Take some of that money you're giving us as a generous Patreon backer and uh, <laughs> give it to somebody else to make it so you can password. So I think the, the, the conversation that Jake and I had about it resulted in us simultaneously realizing, well, if you could, pa- if you could password protect a Twitch channel, Twitch just becomes like nothing oh. but porn for sale. Yeah. Huh. But there are already places to do that though. And yeah, but they're not free. They don't have a huge user base. Yeah. They're not owned by if, Amazon. I guess that's true. If Twitch doesn't know about it, is that bad? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> what Jeff Bezos can't see can't <laughs> arouse him. Right. <laughs> if porn falls in the forest and there's nobody there to see it. Yeah. Um, so you just have to give it a video game title and then it's game oh, related. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about BMX XXX? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
BDSM X. I, I kind of like that we fairly consistently keep the BMX XXX torch alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the theme this year was uh, Inside Out, uh, the Pixar film. It's a bad theme. It's, it is not, though. It, it was well, did it really work really good. well? Everybody loved it. It was my least favorite theme of all of the themes that were being voted on. Really? In the beginning. I liked, I liked it enough that I was like enthusiastic about it. I'm, I'm like glad the, that it like worked out. Uh, you didn't like Inside Out? No, not really. You're you're a monster. <laughs> okay. uh, so the it's I, no, no Ratatouille. I'll tell you that. That's fine. Yeah, Ratatouille it's is not the only my favorite good Pixar, Pixar movie. film, but there there are no bad Pixar movies that I've seen. Well, have you seen, seen the Good Planes? Oh, uh, well, that, that was a Disney count. movie. That was a okay. that was a yeah. directive video. <laughs> And I haven't seen uh, any of the Cars movies. Maybe if I like, had seen one of those, that would change my mind. Plane was, Planes was actually almost completely unrelated to Cars. Really? They just used a similar logo to because they owned both properties. Huh. huh. What, and was it actually Pixar or was it like a Disney? No, it was, it was not the Pixar team. Okay. Um, so the, 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 the hunt starts with us saying that it's the health and safety hunt. Um, and... <laughs> pretending that that's the theme and then breaking out of that to show to show a hunter uh, miss terry hunter uh who is who is participating in the health and safety hunt and you are like trying to help her deal with her you know emotional uh in, internal state and that's that becomes the actual like everyone in the hunt becomes a mind worker yeah. who's trying to help help all of the emotions and stuff figure that out and so the very end of the hunt is you sort of in the in the mind room in the control room uh walking terry around campus to find the the uh health and safety coin and when you do that then you get the core memory of finding like winning the the mit mystery hunt which is the actual coin that we had out, which is these little sort of golden yellow orbs but it's not a, an orb is not a coin uh the or the notion a dimensional of- coin the notion of what the coin is has definitely been loosely interpreted for many, many years. Okay, all right. So, like last year was actually a pretty was was a was a pretty realistic coin because it was a it was a D two because it was a uh, mm-hmm. it was a, the theme of the hunt last year when when C Tech ran it was uh, like basically Dungeons and Dragons. So it was a it was just this like coin that you would actually could actually flip and it had a one or a two. On it. Cool. Um, and I thought it was really nice. But this year's was is sort of this kind of neat glass sphere. Yeah. I guess, I guess this is how the GameCube isn't really a cube. <laughs> okay. Bitcoin is also not real. <laughs> it's a sphere. Yeah, it's bit orb. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, Riff's right, though. An orb is kind of a three-dimensional coin. Yeah, like in the same way that like a cube is a three-dimensional square. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, why isn't a cylinder a three-dimensional coin, if that's it, right? Like, oh, I guess a, a cylinder... Mind. A cylinder is a three-dimensional coin in the same way that a sphere is a three-dimensional disk. No, sorry. A cylinder is a three-dimensional square in the same way that an orb is a three-dimensional coin. Right? If it it, it gains its dimensionality by rotating rather than just expanding like a lathe equally. Yeah. Uh, Well. Yeah. 
So Riff, I played that uh, werewolf oh, yeah. escape in a box game. Oh, yeah. uh, it was real good. Yeah, is it really meant to be just one? a one person thing? Uh, and I did it with a friend, but yeah. we uh, we also erased everything on it so that it was it was. F- it's not designed to be resettable, but it, we looked it at it and actually, kind of realized that it was. If if you go to the if you look up their website, they actually have a reset kit with like instructions and PDF printouts if you destroyed any of the paper stuff. Mm. Yeah, so I was gonna I was gonna give it to you, Kevin, oh. because it's it's definitely still like there there will be some bullshit that you won't have to do because you will see the old pencil marks because I did like <laughs> there's a word find okay. which is not fun. All right. Uh, so you might you know you might get some accidental clues. On the Fair word enough. fine from seeing the old ones, but yeah, no, it's it's very good. Cool. Um, Did you say it was a werewolf? Thing? Yeah, thank you for the recommendation on that riff. I will sure. link to that. It was an extremely high production value. Like there were, there yeah, are like when you actor, open like actors come into your house. Yeah. Oh man. No, there's a when you open the boxes. There, yeah, there's like when you open the box, there's like little chests with actual functional plastic combination locks. <laughs> Did you hear about the? Uh, the fact that like a significant number of uh, pandemic legacy sets that have been sold through the years have been uh, counterfeit, huh. like, totally functional, like not like you would never know because it like it, you can play it just like a normal one, but the it's like not manufactured by Asmodee or whatever the company that makes them. It was totally just a, a ripoff, and they like manufactured fake pieces and fake. Cardboard That's, and stuff like that, and sold. There's out. a lot of moving pieces in that. There are, but because I think it was it was sold at such a premium price, it was worth it to yeah construct fake like ripoffs. Huh. I, I, ju- I just found out about this today, and my mind was kind of blown. I was yeah, like, I wonder, wow. if, I wonder if the one we played was real. I I don't know. Like it might have it might have entirely been one of the counterfeit ones. God, we, so we didn't actually save the world. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. This was just, it was like a Kobayashi Maru. Yep. Uh, we got to get that second season going, buddy. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah let's do great. it. I think all of the original players are up for it. Yeah, and we can't, but we can't go to the original location because they're not open for brunch anymore because there was never anybody there except for us, a bunch of dorks playing a board game. Which was never best. bought anything. Right. No, we, we, no, we always, yeah, we ate and, ate and drank. you probably drank mimosas. I did, a lot. Kevin loves a mimosa. I do. I like a virgin mimosa, just a glass of champagne. <laughs> Because that's how virgin drinks work. Yeah, yeah just, an, just no, no mixers. No fruit. Yeah. Yep. Speak, speaking of uh, 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 things like Escape Room in a Box, the Exit series has three new ones released recently as well. Mm-hmm. What is the Exit series? They're the ones... It's one, it's like, one of the series of, of those. Yeah, the Exit the Game. That's like the, the, the series of them that I've marked as my favorite... Uh, which, I have a couple now, of those downstairs at, favorite, at my think, desk but. that I brought here for you and I to do yeah. when we were done shipping the game. Uh, which we are not yet which, done. No, we're not done. We're never going to be done shipping the game. That's not true. Right. They, they'll keep releasing new platforms. Yeah, exactly. There will always be a new console we can play. If we can't, if we yeah, literally like, can't keep up shipping with Bastion. consoles, then they're we're not done shipping Bastion. Screwed. They keep porting Bastion to new Fine. things. Uh, uh, yeah, someone, I don't know, I don't even know their name, but somebody ported uh, Gunhouse to the Switch. Oh, yeah, I saw that. So do you get any of those dollars? I I, I do get some dollars from it. Yeah, that wasn't Brandon. That po- I mean, it, it? Brandon didn't do the porting work. He huh. he paid somebody to do the porting work. Oh, okay. But no, this is great because I get to have my. You know, I shipped another console game without lifting a finger. That's Ooh. awesome. Yeah, I've, I assumed that you were even somehow vaguely 
involved in that and or got some money from it. So I, I've been yeah, I did do that. I did actually do some work on this version of it okay. um last year. Um but and yes, I do get money from it, but I'm not sure how much it's gonna be because like it depends how well it sells. Sure. <clears throat> I mean, Switch games have done well and you know, they will continue to be exciting well, as long as they continue. Yeah. And I, I wonder, like, the, enthu- the, the enthusiasm for Switch ports of stuff is still there. Yeah. But the Switch store now, you can now scroll through it, and it is full of stuff. Yep. Yeah, it's starting to Mostly, like, up. ports of mobile games, as far as I can tell. Oh, that's not good. They do yeah. at least, they, they post the what's new this week list every week. Yeah. And you can sort yep. it by recency and things like that. But yeah, who was it that was, uh, I forget, was it uh, SteamWorld Dig 2, maybe? They were saying sold more copies on the Switch than anywhere else combined. Oh, nice. Yeah, I feel like if we had if we had uh, known and been on the ball enough, we could have had a Switch port of West of Loathing done by done fast. We got, I mean, we were sorry, we got hung up on the idea that we had promised the iOS port and yeah. the iOS port. You know, it's like I said, it was way more work than yeah. you thought it was going to be, and it was going to result in a way inferior product. Eh. I mean, it'll be fine. But, it's just redoing all of the UI for a goddamn telephone. A product that you can carry yeah, around in your pocket. The fact that you basically is... have to do the telephone version as well as the pad version is yeah. rough. Yeah, but the, but like a product I, I that you mean, can put in your pocket will fit in my pocket. You have big pockets. I do. Uh, you have deep pockets. If only. A that's product. why you were able to do that. That's why you're able to just hire out porting Gunhouse to the Switch instead of doing it yourself like so an American. Right. <laughs> oh man, now, that was something that like uh, Brandon actually offered me to do that work, and I was like, I do not want to deal with Nintendo's TRCs. Like that's that sounds like a nightmare. TRCs. Um, I don't actually know if they call them TRCs, but like console cert, where uh, okay. they they make sure that you're following a bunch of rules, like mm. doesn't crash. Are you not going to post a, uh, uh, Glitter Mitten gl- Glitter Mitten Grove to the Switch? Uh, Craig is actually looking into that, but I don't know how serious we are about it. It would be a big task. What if it was just Glitter Mitten Grove? That would be a much smaller task, yeah, but it would also probably disappoint a lot of people. <laughs> you could change the name of it to Fairies versus Badgers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Did God, do people even know that that was what that project was called for a while? I don't, I don't know. I don't think that was ever made public. <laughs> the Badgers got cut for scope. Right. To <laughs> 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 change the name. Because <laughs> I, I remember, I remember to pointing you as like, hey, you know, there's this game called Fairies versus Darklings, right? And you're like, uh, no, I've never heard of that. <laughs> right. Like, no. Okay. Yeah. Well, turns out uh, we we could have put some Darklings in there. Probably would have been easier than Badgers. <laughs> You could put some dark wings in there and get the right. dark wing duck license. <laughs> that, would, that would be expensive. Or the dark wing duck lawyers. That would be probably <laughs> expensive as well. Uh, do you guys play any video games? I played zero video games. Wow. Yeah. Did, you didn't even play the game where you're like, you're a ninja and you're running past. Oh, that's not true. I guess so, yeah, I played, I played our own games. Uh, yeah. Another game that Colin, the, the guy who made the card game, he, uh, he made a sort of updated version of the sort of roguelike puzzle game from last year's hunt. Mm, I don't uh, except for this, uh, this time you're controlling two characters at once instead of one. That's sort of like 
a neat sort of little game. That the that one was just a really hard rogue. It wasn't really roguelike. I mean, it it looked like rogue, but it wasn't. It was like a, it was kind of a Sokoban, yeah. right? Like it was just a series of very hard Sokoban. I didn't realize I had played uh, the thing that he made a few months ago, roguelike which was dot just puzzle. yeah, roguelike dot puzzle. Yep. Is that just uh? Is that is there actually dot puzzle as a domain? Apparently. Huh. Nice. Yeah. That, uh, I, I don't know why I don't have a bajillion. Yeah. Things. Theory dot puzzle. That would be so confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a dot theory? I don't think so. Like evolution dot theory because right. it's just a theory, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, puzzle, puzzle. Uh, roguelike dot puzzle. Wait, there is dot design. Does some, somebody has to own intelligent dot design, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> if not, you should register that ASAP. Uh, yeah, that that came out of his like re- sort of tech building for Mr. Hunt. Oh, but that game, uh, roguelike dot puzzle, is just a series of the different kinds of puzzles that appear in roguelike games yeah. uh, that you kind of navigate using a higher order roguelike game as the, as the menu to get to the different rooms where the puzzles are. It was, I mean, it was like a thing that I found. I was like, Oh, this is cool. This would be great for the kind of person who's into this kind of thing. And I had no idea that it was made by, made by your buddy. Yep. What was Colin's frat name? Uh, or was he not in your frat? I don't think he would want me to say it because he didn't like it at all. Okay. And he's moved on. It's super racist. <laughs> no, it's just, it was dumb. I, I I think I was the one who gave it to him. And Ah, oh, man. How disappointing is that, that you know that you gave him a terrible nickname that he hates? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel bad. Uh, he pledged in a really obnoxious way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I think, I think that's where it came from. So, was he like butthole or something? No, it, no. But it was, uh, I tell, think. Tell me later. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, um. He and a couple other folks uh, decided to pledge at like four in the morning by like banging uh, pots with with spoons or whatever. None of us had slept for days, and so it was it was just one of those like, okay, yes, now we have to do all of our pledge based things. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of owned, I gotta say. Yeah, that's fine. Like that's you good. live by that sword. Yep. Fraternities, that man. There's there's sword. A, a bunch of a bunch of stupid stuff, but. All of that said, like I am still in contact with a ton. No, of that's true. All, all, all of that said, when we moved here and we needed an electric drill, all you had to do was send an email to some shadowy cabal, <laughs> and you found some guy in your frat that was like forty feet away that had a drill you could use. Yep, that was weird. It was great. Yep. Um, what about facts. you, Jim? Did you play any video games last week? Did you join any fraternities last week? <laughs> no, I didn't. I played. Um, so. Um, uh, there was a homebrew NES game released last, uh, like last week called Lizard. Uh, and, um, uh, the guy who made it sent me a code and I, so I played a bunch of it. I, I installed it on, for what? uh, so it, for an itch, itch.io download. Okay. So, uh, on itch, you can get, uh, the PC or the Linux or the windows or the, or the Mac version, or you can also download an NES ROM. Neat. Yeah. So I, That's- in- cool yeah. yeah so i figured out how to install it on my uh, nes classic oh great yeah. nice um could you at this point write could you write dosbox as an nes rom <laughs> uh, i don't think so i i like this the 6502 um like the the nes only has like 4k of ram so that would be a tough call that's or, 60 or, uh, less than most people need it's <laughs> will ever need it's 
No, you're thinking of 636 less. <laughs> and in fact, I might be misremembering. It might be 2K of RAM. Um, was it really 640K of RAM? Yeah. More than new and 11 mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yep. Fine. <laughs> yeah, 64K of RAM was like TRS-80 level. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. The, yeah. the NES just had no RAM. Crazy. Yep. What? Why didn't it need any RAM? Uh, they were making really simple games back then. Hmm. Like... Super Mario Brothers stored its game state in the video buffer. Like, that's why you couldn't scroll back to the left because it would, after the screen, the bricks that you broke scrolled off screen, it didn't keep gone. that data around. Huh. Yeah. Uh, that's um, neat. Yeah, it is. Um, Lizard is, um, it was a game I wanted to like a whole lot because it's the sort of game that I am into, which is like kind of an exploration based platformer with like almost no text in it and you're just like running around the world and trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Um, but the, it might be the pace of it or it might be like that the platforming itself, um, is kind of twitchy and not particularly like it's twitchy and slippery and not particularly very good feeling. Um, but I had a, a hard time getting into it. Um, I think, like, so when you start this game, you start, like, in the middle of a place, mm-hmm. and you can go in any direction, and... Like, I, just a flat field, or, like, a it, town, it's, or... It's a, it's a side-on, like, it, all the all the places are kind of abstracted, like, um, this place is made up of, like, blocks and columns, or this place is made up of, like... Um, you know, rock and lava, and this place is a cave with water, and this okay. place, um, and yeah, I, th- I think you start out with the rocks and in the rocks and columns part, um, and you can just go in any direction, and some directions are harder than others. If you die there, you can choose another direction and go over that way, and maybe it's easier, is it and you'll see something else. Scrolling. What's it's it's a side it's a platformer. It's side scrolling. Um, there's no map. Can, can you go like up and down too? You, you can go up and down. Like, well, I mean, like you going up, going down is easier than going up. Right. Um, That's generally which is, true. <laughs> right. Platformers. Um, That's what she said. And then there's also um, just doors you can go through, which take you to like a, a an apparently unrelated place. Um, and I still haven't really gotten much. Of, I, I played this game for like an hour and a half and I still haven't really gotten much of a handle on it. Like I figured out how to be a different lizard, which involves you find this other body on the ground and then you step on the same platform it's on. And then like a little woman like jumps out of your, the lizard body and jumps into the other Whoa. lizard body. Sort of like you're, so she's the driver and you're just like a mech. I think so. Okay. Um, and then you become the lizard that, has like in spring like has springs on their feet instead of the lizard that if you push a button can like read signs <laughs> this is intriguing what's it called again it's just lizard. called lizard, lizard? At, right. at some point do you become the lizard king at which point you can do anything i wouldn't surprise me but i didn't find that there are occasionally coins that you find but if you get a coin and then you die before you hit another checkpoint you lose it i only know this because I found a terminal in the game that tells you, like, here's how long you've been playing, and here's how many coins you have, and I had zero. Okay. Um, 
it's got like Dark Souls style checkpointing where you you um, touch a uh, a kind of a lamp face thing that lights up when you touch it, and then when you die, you respawn there. Um, it's got like elements of games like I want to be the guy where like some things that don't look like they are dangerous are actually really dangerous or are dangerous in surprising ways. Like something will unexpectedly jump or like something that looks like decoration is actually like deadly. Huh? Um, do you like upgrade from lizard to mizard to mizard? Like I I have basically still no idea what the structure of this game is. That's cool. Um, I've been, it, it is kind of cool. I really like that sort of thing. I like I like yeah. a game where figuring out how to play the game is part of the puzzle. Yeah, like I, I think the map wraps around in both X and Y. Okay. Like, but I'm not sure. And I think this might be part of why the game doesn't have like a auto map thing. Is that the map might not be like um, coherent on a. Uh, on like a 2d plane, it might be more, have more complicated connectivity than that. Uh. It's, it's really intriguing, but it's also like, it doesn't feel good to play. And that's really frustrating. Feel good in terms of the platforming. In, in terms of like the platforming, like I, 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 I think I use the word twitchy and slippery and I think I stand by that. Okay. Um, so like, this might be a dumb question because I've never tried to program any of this stuff, but it feels like, like has hasn't platforming like hasn't a good feeling platforming but is been a solved problem and like why are we re- always constantly reinventing like if you, this? So presumably, like people don't want their game to feel exactly like another game, so they're intentionally trying to make it feel different. I don't know. I actually don't know what this guy's intention was. Like, if I were to, um sit down and make a platformer i would want to do my own thing instead of like i i know i've heard for example that like the super meat boy like character movement code is just out there in in the ether if you look for it like if you talk to the right people you can just have like as like a one kilobyte page of source code or something like that um was that done in flash no the, the meat boy was a c++ game okay um But yeah, but, I, um, go on. Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, like, if I were going to, if I were going to code a, a platformer, even if I wanted to give it like exactly the same jump mechanics as Mario, I don't know how you would find out exactly what that means, you know? Yeah. Like if you wanted to really, uh, make it exact, you would disassemble the Mario ROM. Like, I'm, I've also seen, like, here's an ad- annotated disassembly of Super Mario Brothers. You could find the movement code there. Hmm. Um, and, like, even if you didn't want to do that, you could, like... Just, just like... W- look, you could count pixels. You conceptually, could, like, yeah. Like, you just say, like, okay, well, like, would I... If I do this on a frame-by-frame basis, this is... I hit this button, this is what happens, like... Yeah. You could so, just construct it. I, I think what actually happened here is that uh, the developer... I think his name is Brad Smith. Um, the developer hit on this platforming that he likes. Okay. And it may be that like, um, it may be that there are other priorities than like moment to moment feeling good. Like I feel like the game world in an, in like an attempt to feel just voluminous. Cause that's part of the appeal of this game is like, you're in this huge unknown Mm -hmm. place. Um, uh, is that 
in order to explore the like if you're moving around this a huge place you want to move fairly fast sure and i feel like the um that's kind of at odds with precise platforming like um the the movement like you you accelerate really quickly and your top speed is pretty fast and that's kind of important for getting around a world quickly but it also makes the uh, moment-to-moment precision platforming harder did you play much spelunky i did and did you usually hold down the run button i held it down i mean i, I used it judiciously i used it a lot like this is actually a really good like uh there so um in lizard you can hold down on the d-pad to move slowly so if you hold down and down right and down and left like uh you can um you will you will walk instead of run and i have never tried to incorporate that into like jumping okay because it's just too awkward i can't do it reliably um but maybe that's what the intention was so the default is the running and the precision would be hmm. something that you opt into yeah instead of like, the yeah one. like in prince of persia yes yeah well if brad smith uh if this video game thing doesn't work out for him he can just go back to his true calling of manufacturing crude nails <laughs> is, is that a brad smith joke yes yeah. I, I get it yeah. <laughs> Your pun blindness is slowly, slowly being eroded. Well, that's hanging around you guys that does it. Yeah, it's it's good. I got a joke earlier about a tomcat. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, and I also played um some Dragon Warrior, uh, also known as Dragon Quest. Really, like the original one, the yeah. one that came free with Nintendo Power. Yeah, to an entire yeah. generation of that was subsequently it, bored American children that as it turns out that's uh that's why i owned that game so this I, is like the the professional version of like dragon ball which is the kids game uh it's not related <laughs> i don't know if that was a joke or not Wait, i don't so I don't, warrior playing, is the think, professional I, I version i think it of actually ball? is related because yeah. it's the same akira toriyama did the art designs for both oh my Wait, god because, really? is that because the warriors play basketball <laughs> that was that's one step too far I was, okay i was just Dragon isn't Dragon Ball a game? It's a like a anime. <laughs> it's, it's not a game. Okay. Well, they, I think they made a game. Yeah, yeah. they've they made a bunch of Dragon made Ball games, games about Dragon Ball, yeah. but but it was originally a manga. But why is Warrior the professional version of? I don't know because Warrior just seems more like a like an adult thing, whereas playing a ball game is like a kid thing. Okay. Right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, it's fine. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was trying to. I was trying to solve it, and, and there was this in this particular case. There this was, is why I don't bother with puns. You Kevin's guys, very tired. I am. I have. I have <laughs> slept so little in the past week. It's kind of out of control. So this might be like a. Um, it, it's a curatory Emma's art, really. Yep. Well, I don't know if I don't know if he did the pixel art, but he designed the characters. Because the characters are like eight by eight pixel. Yeah, yeah. It, it's. It's when, really. When you see like the 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 box art and and the, yeah, and the manual. manual. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Know, like, you know that Drakey is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. It might be like how Chrono Trigger was apparently drawn by Akira Toriyama, yeah. even though the... Yeah, like... Anyway. Um, you, gotta, you find the Goldman? They drop a lot of gold. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I, that's so, good farming. Yeah, <laughs> if you need the gold. I was actually... I played it a little bit on the NES Classic, and then I 
decided to look into like if there was a remake and on on phones you can get a um a version of Dragon Quest that like has much worse art <laughs> um meaning like it's fancy and 16 bit but mm. ugly um yeah like but, with the final fantasy ones right but um have you not installed Steam in your on your NES Classic yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> okay. It would probably run. It's the NES Classic has more than two K of RAM. Okay. Um. Uh. What was I saying? Oh, but it but the uh, remake has like a extremely accelerated experience curve, hmm. so you can get through the same material in like eight hours instead of fifty. Um. And so, um. I played a bunch of that and it's, it's interesting. Like this was, I think, I think it's considered to be the first JRPG. Um, and it is pretty clearly like taking the, um, the Western RPG concept that had been imported over, like in games like wizardry, um, and simplifying it as much as possible while maintaining, like, here's an epic story and a leveling curve. And like that's pretty much all it takes from Dungeons and Dragons and the bare minimum of mechanics to support those two things. Did yeah. you see to t- to sort of branch off into a tangent? Did you see the sort of argument about the the sort of philosophical loss that Dungeons and Dragons went through by removing experience gains? Oh yeah, through? I saw. Oh that yeah, that's thread. that was a really good thread. That's a very thoughtful Twitter thread that yeah. I'll track down and listen to. Yeah, we yeah. should we should link that in the show notes because that was that was. I, I thought that was really interesting and, and something that I like I had not vocalized ever, but I had felt like, oh yeah, when I used to play D and D it was a lot more about like subterfuge and like manipulation of the environment and then it became a lot more just about combat. I remember like in reading about in first edition D and D where like your experience points were just equal to the number of gold pieces that you looted on an adventure, thinking that that was kind of lame mm-hmm. and feeling like for whatever reason, it made a lot more sense to me that you would get experience points for like achieving things and killing monsters. Although I guess the idea of getting experience for like doing a quest is not a thing that really happened right. in later editions, which there, is too but, bad, right? Like yeah. they they could have done both, and it could have been it could have been better. Like oh, you managed to to you know resolve this without killing anything. Here's you know a roughly equivalent number of. XP yeah. I remember thinking that the experience for gold was kind of silly, uh, and this is a very this is a very coherent argument for why it sort of made for better encouraged player behavior. Uh, yeah, like you could do fix this as the DM by like just saying, okay, you you solved this puzzle in a smarter way. Here's you know the equivalent. Um, but then, like, players, if they wanted to game it, they could do that and then go back and kill the, kill monsters, the monsters anyway. <laughs> sure. the, uh... Yeah, I mean, for all of the time that we spend letting you do non-combat solutions to problems in West of Loathing, we don't tend to give you experience points for doing it. Mm. And That's actually not true. Yeah. But I would say... The... For quests, for finishing quests, but, like, if you if you just, like, you know, banish a monster or trick a monster instead of fighting it, you don't tend to get XP for it. But... The only thing that you'd be spending XP on is like increasing your ability to fight stuff. So or or talk your or, way through. Yeah, no, that's true. No, we we do generally give it. We don't give. I don't. I don't remember what the numerical values are because in the scripts I was editing, it was always a letter. But and 
It's it, it's one zone less than your current yeah, zone. Yeah. Oh, we, I see. Okay. We we would give like a different oh. letter for for the non-combat solution. Oh, well, weren't we more clever collectively than I remembered <laughs> us being? Uh, oh, I was going to say just really, sort of to to bring this back into video games, uh the difference in playing Deus Ex where you get experience points for like hacking your way into locks and stuff like that. So you don't actually want to have the combo or use the combination versus mm. prey where there is no experience point value for getting your way through a lock. So you want, you just want to want the most efficient way Yeah, and how that informs your gameplay. There's no experience points for killing things. So if you just ignore them, like the only, the only disadvantage is that you lose the resources that you might gain from, from looting their bodies. Mm-hmm. But but contrary-wise, you also don't, are not spending the resources it would take to kill Exactly. Them. Right. Yeah, I remember playing World of Warcraft and being annoyed that, like, you know, when I bought ingredients to practice my tailoring or whatever from the shopkeeper, that I then couldn't sell the results for more. But, like, because I put labor into making this shirt instead of having linen cloth or what have you. But, like... The value of the linen cloth in the game is is that it is an opportunity to practice something. The there was a way, at least in the in vanilla World of Warcraft, that you could level your tailoring at least all the way up while making a profit. But it was it involved the, selling to the player, the market. player yeah. economy. Uh, Which I mean, there were, there were like it would it would kind of break the economy if you could do that, right? Because yeah. you'd be able to just you'd be able to just like especially like you could just bot making infinite money yep. if you could get out of it like that yeah. so like that's why you can't but yeah you know so it's it's only annoying thematically yeah, but right. it does mean that like thematically that's that's just something that's busted in that game yeah but it, but it, but be, you know on a small scale the arbitrage you could because if you knew that there were like a handful of like tailored pieces that you needed for quest rewards you could just make those things because some people are going to have to buy those because they don't have tailoring yeah and you could and then also find like the super rare recipes and mm-hmm. just put those things like the cosmetic rare recipes people would buy those that's yeah. kind of what yeah. modern modern trade skills in wow are for basically is almost every one of them gets a couple of things that everyone else is going to want and mm. and that's what the skill is for mostly is is that's how you make money on your character i remember being excited watching or seeing because you could look at other people's gear and if it was a crafted piece of gear it would always have the the person who made it Mm. and i remember being excited seeing somebody else wearing a shirt that i had made that i like somebody i didn't know yeah somebody who had like bought a thing in the player economy i was like holy shit i remember thinking i saw someone and then something doing that, and then realizing I was looking at my own inventory. <laughs> so, Dragon Warrior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or Quest. Or, or Quest. Um, Dragon Warrior Orc Quest. <laughs> the, uh, the, the combat is so simple that, like, the only real decisions you're making moment to moment are... Um, whether you want to push forward into the wilderness or run back to safety and heal up. Mm -hmm. Um, but they actually make that really effective. Like, uh, like the, the game does a lot of things just with space, with realms that, um, (laughs) that are really effective. Um, like the, the world is, you know, you can probably walk 
Uh, if, if you didn't have random encounters, you could walk from one end of it to the other in like 45 seconds or a minute. Um, but because you spend so much time, especially like when I was a kid and, uh, and the original, and the original leveling curve, you spend so much time just like fighting the monsters in the area you're in so you can, you can be strong enough for the next area. Um, that makes it feel voluminous and like, every new space that you go in feels like this is shit. This is really scary. Yeah. Like and crossing a bridge meant a, a distinct increase in the difficulty of right. the monsters that you were going to encounter. And it felt scary. Yes. And this is like strategic turn-based combat. I mean, it's, 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 it's turn-based. Not strategic it's not that strategic. Generous. Yeah. It's, it's, but it is turn-based combat. Yeah. Okay. Um, and like you go into a cave and although there, there is actually like the first cave you go in, there's no monsters in there at all, which is weird. Um, but every other cave, um, like you can see if you have, if you just have a torch, you can only see one square in any direction from where you are. And there are, you know, pretty complex mazes for, uh, being able to see so little of them. Um, and, you know, you go a couple floors down, you really feel lost. You really feel like I'm in the shit right now, especially because, like, one of the things it does with the music is, like, it keeps – it goes down, like, a half step in pitch and slows down huh. uh, the deeper you go, which is really neat. So, like, it really – you really feel hemmed in um, and kind of claustrophobic. Um, but this is not the first time you felt claustrophobic. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is just a new skill you have now is yeah. becoming Ooh. claustrophobic in video games. It's fan it's fancy. Yeah. Um, that's why I go to video games to feel new stuff or in for the most part to feel stuff that video games made me feel when I was a child. Um, and it <laughs> like sad about, uh, sad about Aerith dying. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was thinking like, what the did like first time I felt an emotion in my feel life that you, that you felt when you were a kid? Ah, oh, God. Yeah. It does suck that my wife is disabled. <laughs> you felt that as a child. Um, and then it does things like, um, there's a, like normally when you see a town after like f forging forwards into the wilderness, there's a town ahead and you realize, oh, that's an oasis. That's like a place I can go rest up and like that can be my home base of operations in this new uh, unexplored territory. Uh, but there is a town in this game that is like you go in there and you realize this is like a, a town that is haunted and has been overrun with monsters. Huh. Doesn't that also happen in uh, Link, uh, the adventure of Link? Isn't there a town that is secretly that sounds right a haunted dangerous like you yeah. think you think you're gonna be you think you're oh cool there'll be one of those oh, yeah. inns where like a woman can yeah yeah prostitute at me to yeah. heal me right. but yeah it's yeah, yeah. I, yeah i forgot about that i forgot that that had one of those too um but like when you go there and you have been like you're, you're probably low on low on health um it's a real gut punch it's a real like shit that I'm, I'm even more fucked than i thought i was um and in a in a more modern RPG, there would probably be a cutscene where there'd be like, you know, Cam Clark is voice acting the kid who says, "Oh, it's a real gut punch." And like, fuck that guy. Who's Cam Clark? <laughs> he was he was a voice actor who did like the voice of like Leonardo and the Ninja Turtles. And mm, I see. So he's like I, a Lorenzo music figure, <laughs> right? Okay. A Lorenzo musician. I think he also voiced Sonic the Hedgehog. 
anyway, he's he's been around. Yeah, um, Dragon Dragon Quest has realms. It's great. Hmm. They did a run of it on AGDQ this past week, but I haven't got around to watching. Oh, it that yet. was that's really good. That um, that that run of of, of oh, yeah. we should like, yeah, it, it, they do uh, RNG manipulation. So um, they finish the whole game in like half an hour by just the they the 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 runner has scripted out like every movement they have to make to have complete control over what the next random number generated is going to be uh, yeah yeah they do they uh they also did a final fantasy 4 run that does a lot of that too i saw that so one. that was really cool it's not ever based on like the timer or uh, frame counts or anything it's- i i think it is um it's based like i i don't remember exactly what they said but um, I think it, it's based on that stuff, like when you load your game. And so the guy had to like load his game a few times to get mm. the, to get the uh, generator in the right state. Um, and the, like the way he was able to tell it was that he would like call the shots. Like as he's leaving the castle, he would say what directions the NPCs were going to walk in, mm. which is pretty badass. Um, uh, but at that point, I believe it's just based on, um, like, Number of steps you've taken or something. Uh, it's, I think it's based on like w- the, um, the, the, sorry, I, how, how do I, how do I put this? Like the, it just generates random numbers at certain points in the game and he just like knows when they, when they are going to be generated. I see. Um, yeah, just having like, Having like more complete control of a game system than like is is reasonable for a human to have. And the Deadly Towers run was also really good. Yeah. <laughs> ah, boy, I couldn't stand to watch it. Really? Yeah. It seemed like it was very boring to watch, and I didn't really like the people who were talking about it. <laughs> sure. Well, I don't know what the hell that was. Yeah, computer. Yeah, something happened. Uh, anyway, Deadly Towers. Deadly Towers. Yeah. Speed run. I, I have, like, it does kind of bug me, like, during the, um, when, um, I, 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 I forget the etiquette for how you refer to a trans person from before people knew they were trans. Uh, I'll just say the, I use, I'll use her new name. Um, when Narcissa Wright ran ZZT. It was a few years ago. Um, there was a person uh, like on the couch who was just trash talking the game the whole time. And I know a lot of people like who were big fans of ZZT tuned in to AGDQ just to watch that run. And like, it's, if you like knew those two people or knew of them, like they, their relationship was such that like that person was actually trash talking the runner. Like, uh-huh. That was wh- that was what was happening there, and that was what made it okay. But it didn't like if you don't know those people, right. then that feels like they're really just like being assholes. Anyway, like I I do think that like Deadly Towers deserves more respect than those people gave it, but also it's not a good game. No, so, certainly not. So like, but like speedrunners are. That's a it's a running theme in AGDQ that like people make jokes about how those games are badly made because people found exploits. Right. So, like, yeah. except that that's what makes all the speed running exciting and interesting. Yeah, like, it is. I, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's frustrating to me that people would find that to be 
a weakness or a or a problem because yeah shitting have, shitting have, on the aura this game is so badly made when if if these bugs weren't left in you wouldn't be running this game <laughs> what yeah, would you right. be doing? And, uh, yeah and also i mean the, like the thing that kind of i think it was jp on twitter yeah. pointed out was that like that you know that some of these bugs they probably knew about but it wasn't worth fixing because it didn't right. make the game any less fun for 99.9 percent of yeah. the people who were going to play it and so yep. like you know it's like you're doing this to yourself, bro. Like, yeah. don't. Uh, yeah, nobody in the five years around the game's release noticed or cared. Right. And now that you're like diving deeply into the code or whatever and finding the exploits, then yeah, who cares? Riff, did you watch anything else cool on AGDG? Um, did you see the the Punch Out one? No, the oh, one where yeah. somebody played Punch Out and Super Punch Out with the same controller. Yeah, the same controller simultaneously. simultaneously. That w- yeah. that was less exciting than I was hoping yeah, for it tur- because it, it, it turned out. Yeah, it was a little bit. Um, I don't know, exploity. I guess. It, yeah, it, it definitely was not as cool as it sounds because he took he took advantage of the fact that the star punch button in Mike Tyson's Punch Out is the pause button in Super Punch Out. And also just generally had it or or knew how to set it up so that he was always fighting a guy in one in one game while in the other game it was either a cutscene or the opponent was was getting up from a knockdown. So he never really had to deal with with both sets of inputs being valid for both games at the same time. It happened a little bit. But not nearly as much as as would be exciting in that. Kind yeah, of and and when it happened, usually like one of the games was he was fucking up pretty bad. Yeah, like it it was it was clear that that was not the way you're supposed not the way that like is optimal to play that that combination of games. It was still cool to see, just like seeing um, uh, efficient swapping off between the two. And there's a lot of improv required because yeah. like it didn't go exactly as planned. That- that a mashup of two different games, even from different genres, where you're just feeding them the same input, would be cool. Even yeah. if it was a bot run, mm-hmm. yep. right? Like, can There's... how can you beat like Super Mario and Metroid at the same time? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Would yep. be great. There's there's videos of people doing like the first four Mega Man games with the same controller. I don't remember if it's tool assisted hmm. or not. Yeah, that's intense. I played a ton of uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. Oh, yeah? Is yeah. that the newest one? It is, and it is so far the only Assassin's Creed game that I've ever uh, tried to play that I actually like. Huh. Uh, it feels real feels real good to move around. and Playing uh, any of the main mission stuff or just wandering around doing side quests? Uh, the main mission stuff is super boring. Okay. It's <laughs> like, I, it's, I don't really understand... Like, it's a very, like, it's all these, like, very human stories, but they're all just like, go tell this guy that this happened. Oh, no, now go tell this guy. Like, go find this guy. All right, this guy is going to a farm now. He's meeting, like, killing people? No. Wait, I thought that was the whole point. There's, like, five people that you have to kill, but they're, like, the huge sort of chapter breaks. Right? So it's kind of like, like, it's a game that's kind of like 
a Far Cry game where it's just like this huge open world and there's like all of these like things that you can go explore and some of them are like camps full of enemies and then you go in and you'll get little like here's the local objectives which is to like find the three cool treasures and kill the captain of these bandits or whatever and that stuff is great because you're just kind of running around playing with the systems but like I don't know it's just it's it isn't that the writing is bad it's just that Everything that happens is super boring. Is it like delivering mail and pies? No, it's like, it's just like, oh, some, you know, the, there's the, it's your old friend who's the priest at the temple of Sekhmet or whatever. And is like, oh, no, can you go tell my wife I'll be late? <laughs> like, no, it's like, oh, no. And now there's guys that are like selling like fake uh cat mummies in the marketplace and we should investigate this and so then you have to go to the marketplace and just like talk to three people and then it's like oh sorry the guy with the sword was making me do it and here it's a map icon to go kill, like break these pots full of cat mummies but it's all just like here's some shit that you would be doing anyway if you were just like dicking around in this world trying to like earn experience points and kill bad guys but here's like a story that you cannot possibly give a shit about to frame the <laughs> specific is, one of those that we've decided that you should the main quest. do right now. Yeah. Wow. It's the like, and it just feels like, I mean, maybe, well, yeah, I don't know. I guess what I, maybe what I wanted out of this was, all right, the main quest is to kill these five guys that you've been told about in the opening cutscene or like, these are the like, I don't even know who they are that like they killed your son or some shit that you play for like two or three hours and then suddenly you get the title screen <laughs> um, <laughs> and, oh, it turns out I'm some woman in the modern day who's like lying in this sarcophagus that lets me go into it. Like, I've never really played any Assassin's Creed game, so I have this vague idea that it's all some Matrix bullshit where you're like loading the genetic data from somebody's ancestors who genetic were assassins memories, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so like, oh, OK, well, I, I've just gotten used to this world and now there's this frame story that I I guess this explains why every once in a while I would climb to the top of a high point and it would, the thing would say press E to synchronize. And then that is a thing where it's like you see some matrix shit in the sky and then your bird gets better. Um, <laughs> you, have, you have this cool bird. Yeah, uh, and a cool camel, right? Uh, well, it's a pretty average camel, but I would say. But it's an autopilot camo. That's pretty Yeah, cool. okay. So that is the one thing. You can, you can just like put a map, you can put an arbitrary checkpoint, like a, or like a waypoint on a map. Get on your camel. The, the game uses a bunch of keys and all of them do a different thing if you hold them down versus uh, tap them. And so. I hate it. So. Prey does that. Here's what, here's what you do to, to do this actually very nice, cool feature. Uh, you hold down Q to whistle for your camel yep. and then you wait until the camel gets near you and then you tap E to mount the camel when you're pointed at it and then you hold down X to tell the camel to follow a road and then you hit E to get the camel to go to the newest waypoint and this is just a sequence of prompts that it's it's, it's like basically just like the world's dumbest slowest easiest QTE that you're playing right because it's I mean, probably all of the other buttons also do something. This is just like anticipating the things that they probably they, they think you probably want to do and telling you what you need to hit to do it. Uh, and then at that point, the camel's just riding towards the thing. So you can don't hold down V because that does an animus pulse, uh, which <laughs> highlights all the lootable containers that are near you. But tap V because that launches your eagle. 
which you can then just activities then you can just fly around and look at this well they're both about sort of tracking things in the environment like the eagle is there for like finding things in the environment like i can understand why they're contextually linked together but it's just like and none of this makes it bad or hard to play it's just like man goofy like yeah yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the Eagle is cool. You can just fly all around Egypt and like, it just seems like you have this unlimited ability to just like explore the environment while you're waiting for your dude to ride somewhere. Um, she's the only thing better than that would be, I don't know, fast travel, <laughs> um, which you can do to a lot of points once you've discovered them. So it's fine. But, um, uh, maybe they'll be able to, in like the next game, you're the, the lady who's in the animus in the frame story can like play space invaders or something. Well, While you're doing it, uh, yeah. yeah, okay. You get the ability, you get a key that you can hit from the character menu to just go back to where she is. So I don't know if there's stuff you got to do out there at some point. Yeah, the I I really feel like that that whole thing could be removed from every Assassin's Creed game in the series would be better for it. And I wonder, like, is it there for the people who really care a lot about the Assassin's Creed story? Like, I mean, because, is it or is it trying to justify like diegetic HUD? <laughs> I mean, I think <laughs> it might be like to justify why like all the Assassin's Creed games have different settings. I mean, also like it's a series of historical fiction is also a way to justify a bunch of these things having <laughs> yeah. different settings, right? Like, yeah, there's that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I, you know, I don't know. Like, if The Princess Bride 2 was, like, Peter Falk telling even more stories to... Right. <laughs> just going to say John Stamos, because I couldn't think of Fred. <laughs> Fred Durst is Fred his name. Fred Durst's <laughs> name. Durst. No, what's the fucking... Fred Savage. Fred Savage. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, uh, but it, I think that I'm probably getting close to done with I'm only in the like the third or fourth region that I've been in and I think I'm probably pretty close to done with it because there's not apart from like hunting innocent animals to like level up your quiver uh there's nothing to kill but dudes and it's like eh, okay this is gonna get old like I, I like it'd be cool if you got to a point where there were some skeletons but I don't think that's gonna happen is or if you could just like have a particular like pair of glasses that you put on that would just let you see dudes see skeletons. skeletons, right? So you're killing yeah. skeletons. You're just yeah. also killing the rest of the dude. And if you could ignore that part, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all the flesh and muscle and stuff—that's just armor for the skeleton. That's right. true. Yeah, and it's very temporary relative to the skeleton itself. That's you know, true, it's yeah. the flesh is. Uh, oh, just something a, I want to talk about the Dragon Quest remake. Um, like. There's, there, you were talking about Riff, the Final Fantasy thing does this too, but there's definitely a class of like HD remaster mm -hmm. where what they do is just make everything fancier with no regard for how it actually gels together. Mm. Like, and, or no regard for even if it's actually better. Like, I would say that the art in the Dragon Quest remake is just worse than the 8-bit, the, like the 16-bit art in the remake is just worse than the 8-bit art in the original. The, the battle art for the monsters in Dragon Warrior was very, very good. I yeah. thought it was good in the original as well, yeah. Um, the Drakies notwithstanding. I don't sure. like those very much. <laughs> sure, yeah. But that, you know, the slime is super iconic. The, I remember the skeleton being really, really cool. A gold yep. man looked really cool. Yep. 
Um, the wizard guys, they're all good. Everything has new names. And like, I feel like the, the microcosm of like making something fancier while making it worse is that what they called the magician in the original game is now a prestidigitator. Yeah. Huh. So like, uh, yeah, it does things like here's a, you know, it's not orchestra, but it's orchestra samples. We used orchestra samples to remake the battle music and it starts off with like six seconds of like, you know, uh, of no, not of like, <laughs> of like stings because like, oh, you're surprised by this fight. Um, you know what else starts out with six seconds of sting <laughs> where <laughs> so the water tastes like water. Tulu. Yeah. Uh, but like every, 99% of the battles you fight in that game are over like in one hit. So you don't get to finish the stings before the music actually starts. So like someone did this without like actually playing the game to see whether it was a good idea or not. I kind of thought about that when I was sort of initially thinking about how long it took the battle music in West of Loathing to get going. Right. Then I was like, we should just make these fights way more tedious. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Can I ask a question? So the only uh, game in the Dragon Quest universe that I have played is Rocket Slime. Mm-hmm. How does that relate to anything? Uh, Almost are, not at there all. There are slimes. Okay. Like the, the basic enemy you fight is the slime. And in Dragon Warrior, the version I played as a kid, there was the slime and there was the red slime. Okay. And the red slime didn't give you more experience, but had more money. Okay. Um, In the n- remake... The red slime is called a she slime. Hmm. Okay. I didn't know red slimes were female. Huh. So that's weird. I forget in Dragon Quest Builders whether there were different kinds of slimes, but I don't remember exactly how they. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I got to the point in that game where you were fighting slimes. In Rocket there was slime, like a quicksilver slime. Are a slime? Yeah. You're just playing one of the like yep. canonical enemies from the game. Right. Something that I will say about uh, Assassin's Creed Origin that I really appreciate, and this was also sort of true of Destiny 2, I think they have figured out an okay way to do inventory UI for Consoles. console and PC. Like, and it is not oh, that doesn't, bad. That doesn't have to it change. Doesn't, for, yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a compromise necessarily on a PC. And what is that? Um... I think the big the big thing that it does differently than most things is that like the only way that you see all of your swords is when you click on your sword and then it replaces the, your list of gear with your list of swords and then you pick which one you have equipped and then you back out of that and it's like all right now I want to look at my bows and it loads in the bows so it's like it is just a nice non-confusing already, use of space it's already dividing things up yeah. you, know, you never see an entire So something that you couldn't do is like have two ring slots or whatever but like don't do that anyway that's it's way easier to design a game where you don't do that okay um so yeah you can't have two one-handed swords yeah, as well that's true although in this guns. one there's like you have swords and then you have paired swords and then spears and then other clubbing weapons or whatever like they're, they're sort of like divided into categories there okay um but yeah it's just this is your melee weapon slash weapons this is your ranged weapon did you play much of the multiplayer destiny or just just do the single player campaign, campaign uh it's all kind of multiplayer I thought there was like a five or six hour single player campaign. Um, yeah, but it's like drop in and drop out multiple. Like when you're in the parts of it that are sort of in the public, you're you're, oh. you're around other people. It's kind of it's kind of MMOE with pretty seamless instancing. Like you don't really know when you're going into a place that becomes instanced. Neat. Um, 
I'm glad that they figured that shit out. Like, we, well, they just stopped caring about the details that we kind of never believed were all that important about World of Warcraft yeah. to begin with. Like, you know, we have gained nothing by all of us having to wait around for this fucking piece of paper to respawn right. so that we can pick it up. Like, yep. uh, I also played a couple of small games, uh, one by Bart Bonte. Uh, he released a new game called Kiri's Garden, which is a puzzle script game. Huh. Um, it was, and I thought about that earlier, Riff, when you were talking about a game where you have to, we're figuring out how to play the game as a part of, uh, is a part of getting the game going. The, it's basically like, it's a puzzle script game where your action is to, you have a kind of an area where you have seeds, essentially, and then you pick a seed up and then you go and you plant it and the seeds do different things in the level based on different rules. Um, sort of like, uh, Starseed Pilgrim? Uh, sort of, yeah. And you are just trying to get, all but a select small number of spaces occupied. And then you, once that, once that's true, you get to go p- plant some trees in those spaces and then you move on to the next level. And it's just, it's, it, it's a very just clever set of rules associated with the different plants and how they spread and how they grow. And like the, they're just like very satisfying order of operations puzzles. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, and it's just like, you know, it's a puzzle script game, so it's just free. Um, also, Aaron Steed released a new game on iOS called Six Match, which is very, very good. Uh, it is free and just has like a, I think like a $2 get rid of ads button, but it is a match three game. And it's one of those match three games like, uh, what is Ron Gilbert's one called? Scurvy Scalawags. Uh, where you are a character on the grid and your moves are you move and then it swaps your position with the thing, the space that you move into. And then if you make three in a row, they, they disappear. Um, yeah, six the, match is on Android. Oh, it's on Android too. Okay, and good. It has a hundred downloads. The man, the, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know how much this has been picked up on iOS either because I have like not a crazy good score and I'm like 40th in the right. game center leaderboards of the, the rankings there. Um, Michael bro has 200 times my score. <laughs> Michael bro has like six times my score. Let's, let's be honest here. Sure. Uh, but the gimmick of this is that you only get six moves and then you die. So hmm. you have, you can move six times. And if you have not made a match in those six moves, it's game over. Um, so you have to, you have to like, and this is the thing that just, I never am willing to do in match three games is like actually pay attention right. to what's going to happen after you do this. Like, what is the board state going to look like while I'm on the way to this thing that I'm trying to achieve? It's got this really clever hint system where for a while, if you take more than like a second to make a move, it will just show you an example move, which is kind of like a tutorial to start with. But once you are better at the game, you can have those happen much, much later when it's much harder for you to figure out like if you just move very quickly in the beginning, you still get those tutorial hints. Oh, huh. But when the game is way harder, so you can use that to like, uh, you know, just make make more progress later in the game. Then once that stops happening, if you pause long enough, it pops up a thing that says, "All right, do you want a hint? You have six left." And what's cool is that if there are no possible moves, the hint button just 
spawns a bomb next to you that you can move on to and it's like just a little get out of get another move for free thing and then once you've used all six of those that button is replaced with a just destroy the board and give me points for everything on it and my game is over Hmm. um so you sort of always want to do that instead of actually losing (laughs) um I mean, it's still losing, but like, instead of actually like taking the last move and it just, it introduces more colors as you go along to make it harder. It introduces more mechanics, more things that like come onto the board and change the way that blocks move and stuff. And it doesn't really explain how any of it works. You just sort of have to figure it out. Uh, but it's very, very satisfying. That's great. Like it's it like every move is pretty thought provoking and a game doesn't last very long. So you can just keep, it's got that kind of. Man, I've also just been playing like a tremendous amount of Cinco Pouse. Like just, I keep, like I looked over this morning and Chris Remo was just like sitting there playing it at his desk, like in between doing work. I was like, fuck yeah, that's, it's just like, I pick up my phone and I just instinctively hit that icon. I saw somebody post two screenshots of like their first level and their fifth level and they'd made 73 points or something between the two. Mm. And I was like, I just just baffling to me their first level they had like five treasures or something on the screen at once and i was like how did that happen how do you do this kind of crazy shit like if you get like a duplicating wand that also recharges when it hits the ceiling you can like keep duplicating yeah treasure i mean it's wacky all of the all of the systems collide in real interesting ways yeah it's very good Apparently, it's not selling very well, according to his blog post that he posted today. Well, he made it incredibly the the onboarding experience incredibly difficult. Well, yeah. So, like, starting with the name mm-hmm. and the fact that it's in Portuguese. Yeah, have you considered localizing yeah. it to English, Michael? <laughs> Lol. I, you know, like, I don't. I mean, I think his I, pro- his his misstep, if any, was thinking of this as an easy onboarding to his style of games because it's not it's like mechanically simpler than a lot of the stuff that he's made and it's easier to comprehend if you know what all the things mean but it is not it is actually very alienating i the notion of it being like like easier onboarding is is i think a very contentious one i think it is it is significantly easier to understand than imbroglio i don't i don't buy that argument the Mm. the fact that you don't have any idea what your wands are going to do. And then even when they act, you're not even sure what they've done necessarily for a long time, unless you like look up what the symbols mean. Like I, I played maybe five or 10 games of it and I was still just completely mystified. Uh, whereas with Imbroglio, I, the number of different kinds of interactions you can have is really small. And you, you learn that rule set really fast. I think, um, and it also explains in English what each of the tiles does, right? Like, there's no there's no lack of identification there. You know in advance what your possible state is going to be. Whereas with 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 the unidentified wands, I, there clearly is a way to strategize around it, but it's just I like I have not been able to get into it at all. Yeah, I mean, I like because I keep getting better at it. I can't articulate the ways in which it allows you to get better at it and learn how it works, but I am experiencing it. Sure. Um, you know, I think the things that I do after I've cleared the first level with the remaining wands that I have, like the things that I try have changed a lot over time. Like, where can I go and where can I fire this that will reveal the most 
possible outcomes. Right. You know, like, is there a way that I can shoot this wand into a corner and at the wall that would heal you in case it has either of those properties? Like, but it's far enough away that if it has the thing where a bomb goes off at the end of it, it's not going to hurt me. Like, right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that just, that is just a tremendous amount of like knowledge you have to acquire. There aren't that many things that the, there's like like 50. Yeah. Yeah. But there are a lot of them are like the the icons. I mean, his point that you don't need to speak any Portuguese because the icons really do indicate what's happening. If you yeah, if you know what they do, you know what the icons mean. So that's right. you know, just look up spoilers. I think it's 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 what five by five times two, right? There's 50, there, there's there's double the amount of possible mm. things. I think so. I think there are fifty. But fifty is a lot. Fifty is a lot. Yeah. So that's a really large possibility space to internalize. Presumably you don't need to do it all at once, though. Like, I feel like having these 50 things you need to know, like, that just means that after you play the game for a while, you'll have these things in your head. Until then, like, some of them are just mysterious, and that's just part of the game. Mm. At least that would be my interpretation of that. Like, that... Having not played this game, but having played games like NetHack, where it does a, the, the do a similar thing. Yeah, that's true. What about you, Riff? You play any video games? Uh, nah, really just uh, Kingsfield uh, 3 and uh, watching AGDQ and uh, building Legos while I was watching AGDQ. What oh, are you building? So I found out that um, the, the, the PlayStation 2 emulator does not run Kingsfield properly. Oh. There's apparently like floating point glitches that cause some scenes to crash. Hmm. The the original Kingsfield, you mean? Kingsfield Four. Oh, Kingsfield Four. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, it's too bad. But well, I mean, should we talk the, about the the PS PS Two Slim <laughs> is probably still available. You don't get out of it that easy, out. Zach. Oh, PS Two Slim, fastest gun west of the Pecos. Is the PS3 that has the PS2 included. That's actual real hardware. That's not. Yeah, that was. There's, it there's was only versions. the first generation of PS3s, and then they stopped doing that. Yeah, no, like that's, the, I, that's there, one of the ones I have. I, oh, I, yeah, the, we, yeah. Was it, there was a uh, intermediary version of the PS3 that either took out just the GPU or just the CPU and left the other. Huh. Oh, weird. And so, like, it runs like half the games. Weird. weird. <laughs> it was. It was weird. Uh, Zach's really taking this hard. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just threatening to. I'm playing with scissors, and I was just threatening to cut the mic cord. Um, well, the Lego thing I uh, I put together was the uh, the big steampunk uh, sailing ship from the Lego movie. Oh, I see. Hey, Zach, uh, rather Riff, stay on the line after the podcast. You can tell just me about Kingsfield. <laughs> Uh, do you guys want to talk about the assignment? Subsurface sure. Circular by Bithel Games? Yep. Sure, why not? It was pretty good. Uh, yeah, this was a game where you are a robot on a subway car, and it's essentially just a twine game where you're having conversations in dialogue trees with these other robots that come on, um, and you're solving a mystery. Yep. There's, there's very little ed- more to it than that, right? Because there's a subway map, and you... Can look at that to like solve some puzzles. Yeah, every once in a while you'll be asked a question that requires you to look at the subway map. Yeah, but never uh, like one that relates to the case. It's always like uh, some unrelated person wants to know how to get somewhere. Right. Yeah, you're just helping old ladies. Uh, 
and uh, you there is one additional mechanic where you will learn about a thing that you can then get the opportunity to like ask other people about it. So it's basically a way of not giving you 14 dialogue options right yeah and having to figure out how to deal with the scroll back yeah <laughs> in a small dialogue field um and yeah so you're just talking to these robots and they have different jobs and different personalities and they give you some puzzles and they give you some backstory and there's some optional achievements that you can get for you know doing doing optional conversation branch things i apparently got very close to finishing it but did not and i was trying real hard to get like a bad ending but i don't know if that's even possible like i was i was trying to screw up every opportunity that i had by Mm. like revealing that i had broken the rules and then being super honest with the people that were coming to like interrogate me about how i'd broken the rules (laughs) and stuff how you've been harassing people who are trying to wear headphones. Yep. Yep. I never got any of them to like respond to me. I don't think that you ever do. Okay. They're there for a reason in the story, but, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's just a very dressed up interactive fiction game and it was good. Yeah. Really looks really nice. Yeah. That it was runs uh, at real shitty frame rate on Kevin's Mac. Yeah. If it if it hadn't this twine game if it hadn't had that that sort of visual quality to it I don't know if I I don't know if uh, if it would have been as interesting to me but just seeing the the robot there that you're talking to and the the all the robot designs are pretty cool and I don't know it just it really added something extra to it I felt did I you get to the it. point where that priest will tell you the story of the game Thomas was yeah. alone by? <laughs> yeah, that turns no. out to be the religion of the like the the <laughs> progenitor AIs that that made these robots possible were the characters from Thomas <laughs> Thomas oh, was alone. Yeah, that's great. That's pretty funny. Uh, the oh, I just lost what I was going to say. There are a couple of very shitty puzzles. There's like conversation puzzles. There's there's like one puzzle that is there. There's the explicit uh, logic grid puzzle that you you kind of have to draw the 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 chart out for. But yeah, I enjoyed that. But I I I I like those more than most people probably do. There's a there's a kind of like a very mild cipher. Thing. Yeah, the, the mildest of ciphers. Cool. Yeah. I got stuck on that, not because I couldn't solve the cipher, because because I didn't know what to do with the character once I had solved it. Right. Mm. Yeah, they they have like they're the way that they'll set conversation puzzles up are kind of ham handed. There's like there's these two robots that get in there, and one of them is like a detective that you're talking to, and the other one is their support robot, and what that means is that whatever emotion the support one is experiencing is what the primary one will be experiencing. So you have to like keep doing stuff to like piss off or elate or confuse the support one so that you can have the, the main one in the right state to get the answers that you need. And which is, that's fine, but it's like, it does some kind of clumsy exposition for people who aren't figuring it out that it's like, there's, it does. I mean, there's some real surprise, the, the, the sort of almost, deus ex machina of of uh exposition at the very end when that the one guy appears and and you pretend to be a priest for him i don't want to give it all away but 
man, <laughs> it was like, oh, what a good coincidence that this guy turned up and has revealed the entire thing. It's slightly more justified after that, but at the moment, I was like, Jesus. <laughs> The, right. The, this, this is, is hi. This is I'm 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 Jeff. The, I'm Jeff. My job is plot explainer. Yeah. No. I <laughs> like, I'm I'm Jeff, the guy who is doing the entire thing that you're trying to figure out, and here's what it is. <laughs> yeah. I just happen to be on this train yeah. at this time. Yeah. Like the fact that you're a detective, but you're bound to a particular subway train is a weird. Framing. Yeah, that is a weird. Thing. I mean, you're bound to a particular chair, really. Right. Like you never even. Do you see you get on the train? Uh, well, the, in the opening credits, you sit down. I see. So, yes, I guess. Anyway, this game is good. Yeah. Uh, it, it has was, built up a world very quickly. Yeah, yeah and it's only yeah. like an hour long. So, I like a game that's only like an hour long and just does what it does. And uh, I didn't look at the... Uh, I didn't do the director's commentary. No, oh, huh. Either. That's right. There's a second like you can unlock yeah. that after playing through. That uh -huh. could be really interesting. Yeah, I was thinking about that because there's a bunch of decisions about the flavor that I was curious about. There are actually a bunch of conversation nodes that I wanted to explore, but they disappeared. Yeah, you only get like one chance to pick one of these three things to yeah. to get through it. And I think that you know, it seems like they all lead to the same place, but I I was I wanted to know what the response would have been. So that's that's got some replay value potentially. Well, what's our next assignment, Riff? That hacking game that you wanted to do. Oh yeah, uh, Moo Complex. I don't M -O -O. know. I don't, M U M U. I don't know anything about it except e I bought Complex it off Steam Emu. Point, but it seems to be some sort of hacking. It looks like a game. hacking, a hacking like an adventure game. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we like those. Yeah, we do. We like all kinds of things here on Video Games Hot Dog. You know what we like most of all here on Video Games Hot Dog? The generous support of our Patreon backers. Such, such as? David Bass. Oh. Fred Bite Bite Heaven. I, okay, so that's the pre precursor to Bit Hell? Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, good. I was listing real Patreon backers this time. What? Why? What? Who? What? It pleases the Lord. <laughs> what? Do, do, are we backing our own Patreon? No, I'm not. Are you? Nope. Well, that's, a good, be... that's a good way to just throw money at yeah, yeah, at, at Patreon and taxes yeah. and and Visa. Yep. I was just thinking it would be really easy to remember our own names. Oh, Justin oh. Ignacio. Sure. I don't actually know, know who can... any of our Patreon backers are. Oh come on. I mean, I could. I you write them all those personalized I, postcards. I don't. I don't get to see the names <laughs> when I write them those postcards. It's true. Only, only I. Yeah, Kevin knows all of them. Do the. I see some names. of them. Mildred Hanagerlerly. I, I, I can picture like faces from the Slack, but I can't think of any handles. Uh, the Fring thing. Sure. Yeah. Um. Um. Uh, Compsognathus. Gentlemen, <laughs> I've had a great time until just then uh, recording this episode of Video Games Hot Dog with you guys, and I hope we do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And if you do, it'll probably be in about a week. And if you don't, you don't know when it will be. Kakaboo Balaya. Procomp Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> Good night. Good night.